Hey guys, welcome back to Courtside with Sava, the podcast edition, season two, episode one. For episode one, I had to bring back one of my favorite guests from season one, former ESPN, former Phoenix Suns scout, Antonio Williams. How you doing today, man? My man, I'm doing very well. I'm so happy to talk to you again, chop it up about the season. It's been a while, so we got a lot to catch up on, that's for sure. Absolutely, man. Let's get right into it. So we're talking about the offseason today. And, you know, it's funny because normally when we talk about the offseason towards the end of it, we talk about the things that happened. And this year we're talking about the things that did not happen. Right. Of course, I'm talking about Kevin Durant, you know, and the whole thing with him asking out, throwing everybody under the bus <laughs> just to say, psych, I'm staying. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'll let you talk about it in a second, but, you know, in my understanding of this whole situation, when I was looking at it from the, you know, the initial announcement to like the news we were getting, I feel like there was never really a deal. Like, you know, they, they, they tossed Phoenix and quickly we found out, you know, they don't want DeAndre Ayton. So like without that, what are they going to offer? You know, he said he wants to go to Miami. And Miami is just one of those teams. Like they always chase stars, but they never offer anything. It, like, you can go back, you know, James Harden was available. Oh, they interested, but they offer in like Tyler Hero and second round pick, you know, and it's, it's, it's always <laughs> been a thing with Miami. Um, so, and now like after the whole mess, like we found out the best deal on the table was Jalen Brown with Derek White in the first round. And even that's conflicting because some saying like Jalen Brown was never available. So just talk to me about this whole thing. How do you view the situation? Do you think there was potentially a deal or, you know, just, just give me your thoughts on this whole thing. You know, it's funny because I've said this before. I think maybe when you and I did a show before, um, I said to you, the most interesting things are the things that don't happen. And it just so happened that this thing that doesn't happen and most of those interesting things that don't happen never see the light of day as it relates to the media. Mm -hmm. This Kevin Durant thing happens to be one of those most interesting things that was never going to happen. That happened to see the light of day, right? If, if for, for all the people that play 2k or play fantasy basketball, they would have a field day if they worked in front offices because of the fact that again, the most interesting things are the things that don't happen. And, and to your point, I, I never thought in a million years that this was going to happen. Um, in fact, I was on another show and they asked me, so who do you think is going to be the most improved team this year? I said Brooklyn because K, KD and Kyrie aren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, they aren't going anywhere. And, and it's colored by a bunch of things. Like, you know, the first thing is when you sit in the seat and you're charged with building a team, I think, brother, I think people don't sometimes take for granted how difficult it is for you to get, let's say it like this, one of them guys, <laughs> right? It He's is one so, of them guys. It is hey, no question, right? Mm -hmm. And he, and they got one of them guys. They have a, you know, a one of one lives in, in a town with a population of one. There is no other Kevin Durant. There is no comparison for Kevin Durant in the past in the NBA, there is no Kevin Durant on the horizon. There's no comparison for this dude. So, You're right. yeah. you, you know, so when you get one of those guys, it is so difficult to get one. And when you get one, 
you almost have to move heaven and earth to make sure that you keep them. And, and then if you happen to be in a situation where you have to move one of those guys, you're never going to get anything that's market value worthy. Mm -mm. And never. never, you're never getting one of those. And, and so you have to endure not only depleting your team to move this guy, but the other thing you have to endure as well. And, and we know this because of the way season ticket holders are and Twitter and, and all of everything that happens in NBA Twitter, right? You have to endure the ridicule and be willing to endure that once you move one of those guys and you get what you get in return. Yep. And, and, and most teams don't want to stomach that. Mm -hmm. and, and you and never get the same value. That's the point, that. right? Yeah. You're never getting the same value for that guy. Never. So um, when you have to move one, and even when you get picks, you know, and I can say this from being in that position where you're charged with picking players. You know, for us, you referenced in Phoenix, it took two or three years before we started really seeing some dividends, at real dividends, as it related to us drafting DeAndre Ayton, Right. Right. So I say that because we are charged with picking players, brother, that aren't ready. Mm -hmm. Right. And some and of them will get ready and some won't. Exactly. So we're charged with picking players that aren't ready. And when they're not ready, that means it's going to take a while for them to develop. It's going to take a while before you start seeing any type of, of, of sort of the fruits of your labor, labor as it relates to draft picks. Um, you know, to put that in perspective, obviously LeBron James is the greatest player of this generation. Well, he didn't make the playoffs for the first two years of his career, mm -hmm. right? And this yeah. is LeBron James. Right. So with that being said, and the only reason why I'm referencing that, because everybody sort of gets enamored with, hey, we're going to get Kevin Durant or we'll move Kevin Durant and we'll take five first round picks. On paper, the same with the Rudy Gobert in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. On paper, that sounds like a lot but you don't know where those picks will fall. You're charged with picking players that aren't ready, mm -hmm. right? So who knows what those picks are going to be, right? So when you have one of those guys, it is damn near impossible to move one and think that you're going to get something that's going to help your team in the interim. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. To me personally, like the only way i saw that going a lot of people disagree with me and i i don't blame them the only trade that i saw was to get jason tatum out of out of boston but that right. that's just such you know that's just a hard sell and i don't blame people you know obviously it made sense on paper but it's something that would never happen but other than that yeah get all those picks especially after Rudy Gobert and what what they got in return it was just impossible to build a package for Kevin Durant. And looking no back question. in the history, just like you said, you know, James Harden trade, Anthony Davis, you, you never get equal value. Right, I, right. It, it, just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And especially when the picks are involved, you know, looking back at um, what the Cavs got for Kyrie Irving when they moved them, you know, they got that pick and like the whole sell of the, of the deal was to get a pick. That pick turned out to be Con Sexton. Good player, sure. He's out of the league right now. Right. I'm sure he'll get signed, of course. Right, but, right. You know, right. If we're yeah. talking about the comparison, Kyrie Irving, Colin Sexton, that's no very question. Different, very no different. Question. No question. I mean, to your point, you know, just to piggyback on, and you look at Cleveland, look at what Cleveland gave up to get Kevin Love. 
And Kevin Love mm -hmm. was a big part of the championship runs for the Cavs when it was Kevin Love, Kyrie, and of course, LeBron. And if you look at that, they got two number one overall draft picks, mm -hmm. right? And Andrew yeah. Wiggins and Anthony Bennett. They got two of them. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's it's easy to say. It's so easy to say, hey, you know what, we're just going to move on from this guy. And But when you are sitting there and you're in that seat and your job depends on roster construction and those things, Sava, that's a hard one, brother. That's a hard one to say we're going to move off of Kevin Durant. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that, that's that's a, you know, that that's a that's a hard one. That's a very hard one. Right. And, and, and you know, I'll say this. If you're going to do that. You better have because to your point, look at San Antonio. Mm -hmm. They move off Kawhi. Mm -hmm. And look where they are as a franchise right now. Right. Right. And look what they got for Kawhi and look where they are. And the only reason why they don't get killed for that is because, and credit to him for this, but Greg Popovich has deposited so much in the San Antonio fan base. They're, you know, I mean this in a figurative sense, their bank mm -hmm. that it's almost like, you know, you look at football with the New England Patriots. It's like in Bill, we trust, mm -hmm. right? That's the only time you can make that type of move and move one of them guys and right. not get killed for it. The rest of us, man, that are in the real NBA, we don't survive that. Right. But that, that that's one of one. That that's just one like, of one, brother. Uh, Kevin Durant in the court, Greg Popovich in the front office, same, same thing. You know, one exactly of one. Right. And majority would get kicked for that. No, we don't survive and, that. <laughs> no, and, and I'm glad you brought in, you know, you brought in Cleveland and what they got for Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins, especially, you know, in today's NBA landscape, when the word bust is just thrown around like nothing, you know, look at Andrew Wiggins' career, how long it took for the fan base and for the league to appreciate what he is as a player. That's it. It's insane, you know, looking back at like two seasons ago, nobody saw that. People were saying he's just below average role player at best. No question. No yeah. question. And and, right. it's, and that's, you know, because most of these guys that play, you and I have discussed this before. Um, and for people that don't know, go back and look at our How to Be an NBA Scout episode, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, that we keep referencing. Um, the vast majority of these guys that play this game, their situation, meaning what's the system, who who's the coach, um, who are the teammates, that's just as important as their actual talent. And that's what you see in Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, 100%, man. The right fit. Yeah, <laughs> the right fit at the right time. So, yep. you know, speaking of the whole Kevin Durant saga, lately we've seen a lot of players who've asked out. And, you know, it first started as kind of like, well, you know, he's got a year left on the deal, like <laughs> half a year. So, like, eh, I guess it doesn't hurt that much eventually it turned into like, I want to go to this team or I'm not going to get resigned. And and then it came down to Ben Simmons, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. Obviously something's going to have to change. Right. With the next CBA coming up fairly soon. Um, it's hard to say exactly what the owners are in position to do, but how do you, how do you see like what, what's going to happen in your opinion? I, I think, you know, and this is going to sound very pro player, but I think we need to really look at this from 
peel the onion and really look at this um, and from in an in-depth way. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion now about amendments or changes to the CBA because you have guys, as you said, saying, you know what, I don't want to be here. And in the case of Kevin Durant saying, I don't want to be here in his his four-year extension hasn't even kicked in yet, right? Nope. Like It's just about to kick in. It's yeah. just about to kick in. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, but I say that because, and I say we need to look at it from all the angles because I think there's this outcry and this is all centered and all colored by the fact that the owners never have to open their books. Mm-hmm. We only really talk about these things when a player is sort of exercising their power to be able to get to a, a, a different situation. And, and I think there are two things that work here. Number one, we're, we're paying attention to this now as it relates to Kevin Durant, but in reality, the owners always switch the CBA when a player, LeBron James, for example, mm-hmm. right, plays out his deal, has earned the right to get to the open market and sign with whoever he wants to sign with. He does it. And then the owners say, you know what? We're going to have to change this to take away some of that ability mm-hmm. or some of the, the things that will entice a player to move which is why we started having the teams have the ability to offer the supermax. Mm-hmm. So every time we see a free agent move that sort of shifts the NBA, there's always the response to that is let's change the CBA. So this has been going on, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. It's, yeah. This has been going on. And it's just that because the owners never have to open their books, we never pay attention to it. We kill the players for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it's colored by that. And then the other thing, you and I, as we sit here as members of the media and both of us played, right? Mm-hmm. And as we sit here as members of the media, now sometimes I have to remember that we are members of the media. Right. We also have to take ownership and these players looking to switch locales. And I'm saying that because you're in that great city of Chicago, right? Right. This whole narrative about winning championships validates you started when that guy that has that statue outside of the United Center. Right. 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 That started with him. That started because he was dominating the league so much. Then the question became, can he make his teammates better? Can he win a championship? Mm-hmm. Because, and the reason why I say that is because if we were looking at championships to validate players, Rest in power to this guy. Bill Russell has lapped everybody. He's the greatest <laughs> ever. If we're t- saying play on the court and championships validate you, then he's the best. So this didn't really, really, really start until Jordan. And, mm-hmm. and so now all of the transcendent players after him deal with, well, all that individual stuff that you're doing now doesn't mean anything until you win a championship. Right. And you know what happens, brother? Those players feel that pressure. They hear that. Mm-hmm. So we create this narrative that championships validate you. And the last time that I checked, this isn't an individual sport. Nope, it's not. Right? You you can be an amazing player, just never win. 
There you go. There are all sorts of things that go into this, mm -hmm. right? You got to have a great organization. You got to have the pieces around you. You have to have all of that. And so what happens is if you're a LeBron James, if you're a Kevin Durant and you spend your first eight years of your career in one locale and you can't win the title and we're saying titles validate you, they start looking around. Right. Because right? their legacy by that gets hurt. There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go, brother, because they've spent, you know, people forget LeBron was in Cleveland for seven, eight years before he left. That's mm -hmm. damn near a decade. Right. That, right? That, that, that's for some players. That's the whole career. That, that's, there you all, go. that's all we're going to see. Eight, seven years. There you go, brother. So when you are a legacy guy and you're looking around and it's like, damn, I've been here for eight years mm -hmm. and we aren't getting close to winning anything. You know, and, and people in the media are saying, hey, you know what? All that individual stuff is great, but if you don't win titles, it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, it creates a lot of pressure. It yeah, creates I, a lot of pressure. I can see how that applies to Kevin Durant, especially, you know, because there is a lot of pressure. He is getting older. The league is getting more and more competitive. We see more and more teams make it to the final. It's, it's, it's different every single year. His time is running out, and he is in that, funky little spot you know as far as the legacy goes where he's definitely when it's all said and done might but probably probably going to be top 10 player in the history right. of the league right but he's not quite there where there's like a case for the go debate or whatever so for him by the standards that you just mentioned the only way he can you know kind of tip the scale is by winning more championships that's it and, you know, things like asking out, all of that is going to sound bad now in the offseason and uh, everybody's going to roast him on Twitter. Five, 10 years from now, we're going to look at the championships because that's, that's it, all brother. it's good. Yeah, because that's what they judge about. And to me personally, the whole, you know, the player empowerment thing and, you know, the asking out, it's just a natural progression of the league. If we look at the history of the league, there was a point and a lot of people don't realize it. There was a point when free agency market wasn't a thing. Exactly right. You know, and then it became normal. And then it's just the evolution of the game. And, and it's no supposed question. to happen. It's supposed to evolve in order to stay fresh, to stay new, to stay relatable. Otherwise, it gets stale. So, exactly right. Ask baseball, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ask baseball, right? So You're spot yeah. on. Um, another big name that I wanted to chat with you about on the free agency market is Donovan Mitchell. And that to me is just such a bizarre case. Literally every other year we hear about Donovan Mitchell being available. Oh my God. 29 teams will throw <laughs> offers. Right. And now right. he's still there in Utah and it, it doesn't seem like there's an end to it. There obviously there's all that chatter with the Knicks, which I personally hate. I like, I'm sorry. I, I want to see New York as a good team, but at the same time, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, the same team just, sounds like i don't know that's it's, it's not it's not going to win any games or championships for you but you know it's not here or there and we had reports about miami basically having a deal in place for donovan mitchell right before the kevin durant thing you know came up and they were like okay we'll try to go kevin durant so what is going on with him like how do we get to this point where donovan mitchell can ask out and be available for like the whole summer it's very interesting to your point, what it points to as well is just how difficult it really is to move a superstar mm -hmm. again and, and do that and be able to stomach what you're going to get in return. 
especially when you know you're in a situation and, and Utah is funny because um you know they got Derek Favors and they got someone else uh but Derek Favors was the center of that deal when they moved Darren Williams mm -hmm. yep. and and they were able to get what they got from him for Darren Williams because when they made that decision to move on from Darren Williams, Darren Williams wasn't on the market. Mm -hmm. When, because there's a lot of gamesmanship that happens as well. So when teams know that this is another reason why stars don't get market value when you try to move them, because when people know that you're, you're going to move a guy, it's okay. Well, we know you have to move him. So why mm -hmm. should we give you a premium deal on a guy that we know that you have to move? Right. And then the other thing that happens with Donovan Mitchell as well, and the superstars have earned the right to do this. So don't, I don't want to sound as if I'm saying they haven't earned that right because they have. But the other thing is when a player comes out and says, I want to get moved, but I only want to get moved to one or two of one of two or three locales, mm -hmm. there really isn't a trade market because yep. All the, you know, the other 27 teams in the league are not in the race. Nope. Yep. Right? So They know they're just going to get in the same situation. Yeah. Exactly right. They're just not even in the race because this guy won't come here or he won't sign an extension there. And, you know, so um, we, that's the other reason why there's not much of a market. I, I remember, you know, again, in that great city that you're in and that guy that's behind you, rest in power to him. Remember when there was a trade market for him mm -hmm. and, and that quickly ended when, when the bulls said, when the Lakers were saying, yeah, if we're going to move him, we need Luol Deng. And at that time, people, I know Luol Deng just came off the Lakers books and things <laughs> of that nature, but people forget how good he was really right good. before the injuries. He mm -hmm. was really good. So much so that Kobe said, I will go to Chicago, but I'm not going if he's not on the roster. Right which is the ultimate reason why Kobe ended up staying in LA. And when a team is faced with a limited teams that that superstar is willing to go to, and then B, why would that player want to go to a place that's depleted all of their resources to get him mm -hmm. right? It, it makes it very, very, very difficult to move these guys. And to your point, I think if you're the Knicks, if you get Donovan Mitchell, you have to be setting up to go get something else if you're really looking at trying to be a contender. And that's not because Donovan Mitchell isn't great. But to your point, I'm saying this as a point guard, <laughs> right? When you have guys in the league that are seven feet tall, Kevin Durant, right? Right, <laughs> that, yeah. That can do the things that we can do and do it better than us. Man, you're not moving the needle when your best player is 6'2". Mm -hmm. You're just not. You're just it, not. It's just not going to happen, especially with the guys like Donovan Mitchell. I mean, right. All-star. Great player. No question. Zero questions. How much longer is he going to be that great? Right. He, he, and we that's when it gets tough. Yeah, we just can't no, tell. We can't, and we can't impact the game like that. I mean, again, mm -hmm. referencing Chicago again. Remember Derrick Rose's MVP year. Mm -hmm. Best record in the league. They played the Cavs in the playoffs. And all the Cavs did is put a guy that's seven inches taller outweighs him by 40, 50 pounds. And at the very least is just as athletic as him. They just mm -hmm. put that guy on Derrick Rose. 
Yep. LeBron James, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, so our impact is just so limited when you're in the league that has guys that are six, six and above that can do the same things we can do and do it better than us, or at least just as good as us. Right. So it, as, as much as we are as point guards, the most important players on the floor, if your point guard is the traditional height, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Magic Johnson, Penny Hardaway, those and LeBron, because for all intents and purposes, he's a point guard. Right. right. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the Chris Pauls of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. When you are on a team and that guy is your best player, you just can't win a championship. It's hard. It's really hard. It, it, I don't think it happened. Yeah, I don't it, think so. I mean, it can double check, but I don't think it ever happened when the player of that height, I mean, Allen Iverson was probably the closest to get right. there. And then and, he, as great as he was, when he was when he faced the Lakers, he just it, it wasn't yeah. happening because yeah. there's only when so they, much he can do. No question, no question. When they ran up against that guy over your shoulders, and and that guy in the paint, Shaq, it, mm-hmm. it was it, it's it's it, it doesn't it, matter how great you are. It, it doesn't even, matter. Even if AI was like <laughs> twice as good as he was, it doesn't. There's matter. still the limit. It's just physical limit, especially with the league. You know, it was one thing ten years ago when. If you were above 6'4", you probably can't handle the rock as well. Now right. we see guys like Ben Simmons and That's Josh it. Giddy. It gets more and more and more common when you're Donovan Mitchell and Bronson. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's very tough. It's very tough. And to your point, you know, it's no coincidence that Chris Paul made his first finals playing alongside Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I think that evolution for Chris Paul, I, I think, one of the great things that came out of him playing in Houston is when he played with James Harden, he had to learn, he had to really master playing off the ball mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of alternating those playmaking um, um, uh, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And what was going on in Phoenix was, and I said this when we first jumped back into media, when um, the pandemic was going on and we didn't know, and we knew that there was going to be a bubble mm-hmm. um, I said before, you know, and this is because I'm knowing the team intimately because of working for them and drafting some of those guys. I said for Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, um, and Mikael Bridges, these are the most important games of their careers. Mm-hmm. And they won all eight games. Mm-hmm. And and that year before the pandemic start, um, started and shut the league down, and then when they went into the bubble and Phoenix went undefeated in the bubble, that's the first year that you started seeing Devin Booker really, really grow as a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And, and so then when the next year you add Chris Paul to it and they both have the ability to be playmakers and play off of each other and DeAndre right. Aiden starts to emerge, the Suns go to the finals. Right. And I don't know if Chris Paul would have been that adept in playing off the ball if he didn't go to Houston and play with James Harden. That's a very good point. I've I've never heard about that before, but it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's great because with the point guard, especially ball heavy point guards, it, it's a tough transition to give up the ball and become the off the ball guy. Especially when we're talking about somebody like Chris Paul, you know, exactly. it, it's not it's not Dwayne Wade who can give up the ball and you know catch a lob. It's Chris Paul, you exactly know, not a knock right. on him, but it's just, it's different. So to your point, Sab, and I'll say this really quick, you know, like. Um, 
you know, Steve Nash is back-to-back MVPs, mm-hmm. leading the league in assists, and they can't win a title. Nope. nope. Right? He's making every decision. Everything starts. So what happens is when they get in the playoffs and you're that predictable and, you know, the opposition gets a chance to stack their defense. Mm-hmm. So you know this as a player. If you know this is the gift and the curse of playing with a great point guard, right? right? The opposition, say you guys miss a shot or make a shot. When you're going back and you're on defense and you're going back and you're transitioning from offense to defense, you can breathe a little sigh of relief if that team has a guy that every decision is made by him, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can wait until he gets the ball. Yeah. But, but you know, when you look at the teams that win championships or you look at, let's say, Golden State, for example, in addition to their shooting, because Draymond can bring the ball up, because, you know, when they had KD, he could bring the ball up. Wiggins right. brings the ball up. Jordan Poole brings the ball up. And then Steph drink, brings it up. What they force you to do is when you're transitioning back on a make or a miss, they constantly force you to to operate in an emergency situation defensively because any one of those guys can make a decision. Right. And that that keeps you on your toes. That keeps you on your toes. Right. And but when you have a guy that all the decisions are made by him, they can win a ton of games. Mm -hmm. But when they get in the playoffs and they play against those really, really good teams that are good defensively and connected defensively, it's hard to beat them, man. Yeah, yeah. Unless your point guard is like, because, you know, when you have a a guy the size of a LeBron or a Paul George or Kawhi or KD and those guys are bringing the ball up, you know, that presents a totally different animal, which is why most of the teams that win titles, as much as, and I had to check myself from a scouting perspective, right? As much as I love pure point guards, if you look in the annals of NBA history, the teams that win championships more than likely don't have what we call a pure point guard. That makes sense. Right? They have one of those monsters on the wing, Mm -hmm. and the point guard has the ability to bring the ball up and initiate the offense, but he also has the ability to get off the ball and hit an open shot when one of those monsters brings the ball up and kicks it out to them. Mario just like Chalmers. Kyrie. Just, oh, yeah, there, just like there, Kyrie there, was. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. That's when you win it. That's yep. when you win it. It's rare that a guy gets the ball and makes all the decisions. Because mm-hmm. even the Celtics, right? Even the Celtics, when they won it with Rondo as the point, if you watch them play, they ran their offense in the high post through KG. Yep. Right? And True. Rondo would bring it up, but they ran their offense through Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it is, you know, and, and I say that because I'm devaluing me, right, <laughs> as a point guard. But, man, when, when, you know, those teams, most of the teams that win titles are guys that, because even Steph, right, the question was, can he play the point, right? When he first yeah. came in the league, the question, can, can he play the point? You know, That's Tony true. Parker in San Antonio, can he play the point? These were all the and those are the guys that Derek Fisher. Derek mm-hmm. Fisher, I think if 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 I'm not mistaken, Derek Fisher either was in the top five or led division one in scoring when he was at Arkansas Little Rock. Mm-hmm. That's not a quote unquote pure point guard. Nope. Right? 
But when Kobe and Shaq, when Kobe's doing his thing and kicks it out, he's ready to make a shot. Yep. When Shaq kicks it out, he's ready to make a shot. Those are the cats that you win because they are versatile enough to play off the ball, get out of the way when when one of them guys right. is doing their thing. Oh, yeah. Right? But I can make a shot when you need me to. Yeah. I love the example that you, you brought up. We didn't get a chance to, like, fixate on Myra Chalmers on the Heat. He is probably one of the better examples in the history of the guys who just who was just ready in the corner. Yeah. And yeah. that made his career, you know. He, he wasn't he wasn't a pure point guard by any means. Exactly. He's still a great player. No question, you know, and and it's and again, I had to really take a step back evaluating players because you're evaluating these guys and you look at something and you're like, is this dude really a point guard? But then you start thinking, man, if I have one of those guys on my roster, right? Like what Reggie Jackson's been able to do. He he can play next to Kawhi and Paul George. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. He can yeah. play next to them. And yeah. if, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. No, no, it does make sense. That does make sense for sure. For sure. You know, we you gotta be able to just leave that rock and just let the guys do their thing. Cause you still at the end of the day, he's still a little guy and you're still limited to an extent. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, you, are. you, you, you know? are, man, you are. And even, even Chris Paul, and I'll, I'll say that this, even Chris Paul, not only the Houston example, but when they made the playoffs in the bubble, when he was with OKC, you know, they had that surprising year because there were times where they would have three point guards out there and mm -hmm. they all had to learn how to function without the ball. Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and um and and Dennis Schroeder, mm -hmm. and and there will be times they play all three of them, right? So that means two of these guys got to learn how to play without the ball, mm -hmm. right? And to your got point, of, yeah, yeah, to you your point about Josh Giddy, right? Like mm -hmm. so, Josh Giddy and Shea can both be effective because Shea knows how to get off the ball. Yeah, in, in addition true. to being six six, but he knows how to get off the ball, right? That so helps. I just say that, man, because I had to take a step back. And like, wait a minute, let me really examine how I'm evaluating this game and these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's only so much they can do. There are so many games they can win. Perfect example, Oklahoma. And there was another example, too. Like, it was, I think, maybe six, seven years ago when Phoenix, your Phoenix, they were running three-point guards when they had Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, and Isaiah Thomas. And that looked like a crazy mix. But, hey, it's the same concept. Somebody had to give up the ball and... Make it work somehow. Man, that to your point, that team and, and and that team, you know, we petitioned the league on this. And this is something that, you know, um is is it's been going on honestly, and I've said this before, but it's been going on since Michael Jordan played in the league. Just how much ridiculously deeper the West is than the East. Mm -hmm. Right? Like in terms of from top to bottom. Not, you know, top heavy. I mean, from one through, you know, uh, 15 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, that year, we won 48 games and finished 10th in the West, mm -hmm. right? Dallas wins 50 games and it's the eighth seed. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and it's like you said, we win almost 50 games playing that way. <laughs> and that makes you... We would have been third in the East that year, and we're tenth okay. in the West. Yeah, it, it, it's 
It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But but to your point, it's like, yeah, you can win a lot of games that way, but it's it's hard to win a championship that way. But again, those guys have to learn. We have to learn how to play off the ball, man. Because when you play that guy, like, you know, that guy over your shoulder, to your point, when you look at the Bulls and, and their six titles, they didn't have a pure point guard. Absolutely not. No. Right? Right? No. Nope. They didn't. They didn't. Steve have Kerr a, is not a pure point guard. Right, right. BJ Armstrong's not a pure point guard. Nope. Craig Hodges is not a pure point guard. Neither is John Paxson. Nope. None right? of them. You know, so they they play with guys that can. I mean, I remember I'm getting goosebumps talking about it where, you know, Michael was saying and Steve Kerr is saying, I'll be ready. And, and Michael's like, I'm coming to you. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that's when you are, are, our height, you know, Allen Iverson and Kyrie, those guys are great showmen and incredible players and, you know, can win a lot of games when they're your best players. But if you're trying to win the title, they can't be your best guy. Nope. Nope. Yeah. I love how we led this conversation to Phoenix and competitive Western Conference because this was going to be my last question for today. I wanted to talk to you about Phoenix and their chances next year. Um. To me, you might disagree because Phoenix probably has a special place in your heart. But to me, they've been this weird situation the past couple of seasons. It all started, you know, with the bubble run. And then the, the following season, they make it to the finals. And then there's all those great expectations. And now last season, they fall apart in the playoffs, get annihilated by the Mavs out of nowhere. Like Nobody could predict predicted that. Right, and right. to a lot of people myself included it's unfair but the question still is are they actually good you know so yeah, just yeah especially with the western conference being as loaded as it is i mean if, without a doubt they still play off team but you know they had their problem with deandre ayton it, it's hard to say how he's going to play and if, how that affected him mentally how chris paul is going to be this year you know he did seem to decline drastically after he did turn 37 like literally the next day mm. so how do you <laughs> how do you see their chances going to the next season what do you expect from the team you know it's funny when when you watch them in the finals when they made it um when they got out 2-0 on milwaukee you know one of the things that they did when they got up 2-0 is they established deandre ayton and then as the series started to continue to matriculate, they went away from him. Mm -hmm. And and they didn't make as much of a concerted effort to involve him. And, and um, you know, we saw, and of course, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Milwaukee, mm -hmm. but, but I'm saying that, you know, it seems like they went away from him and went away from having him as a point of emphasis on the offensive end of the floor. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, for me, their advantage is the ability. What makes them different is when they're playing their best is their ability to, they can do something that a lot of teams can't do is have a real inside presence. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they, of course you have Devin Booker, um, obviously Chris Paul, when Mikhail Bridges is making shots as well, you have that, but when you add DeAndre Ayton to the mix, you know, if we want to score in transition, we can do that. If we get into a half court set, we can throw the ball down to him and he can make a play. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think once they started getting away from that, I think that led to their demise because I think DeAndre is the type of guy as a player that, and you see this with a lot of big guys, a lot of big guys, um, and, you know, reference in Chicago a lot. Um, That's fine. <laughs> right? So when you reference the Bulls, for example, and I know this because I wore 23 as a player living in Southern California, wearing number 23, watching Mike. I'm saying that, Sava, because if people remember, the first thing the Bulls used to do every single game, it was almost like it was scripted. Mm -hmm. The guy that would get the first shot of the game was not Michael Jordan most of the time. It was Bill Cartwright. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was Bill Cartwright. They get the ball and they go inside to him. First play of the game. It was so, it was the, one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and and so, you know, these guys, whether it's Joel Embiid, whether it's Shaq, and I'm not saying that DeAndre Ayton is at that level, but he's a pretty damn good player. Mm-hmm. And and when you don't make an, an, an effort to involve them and they can score, they feel like they're just rim running, right? Mm-hmm. And what that and that also impacts, and I'm not saying it's right, but it's real right? It impacts them defensively. They don't hedge as hard on screens. They don't help. They don't recover as hard. They don't look to protect the rim as much. They don't, they don't value the defensive glass as much because they feel like they're not involved. Yeah. It's mental. It's mental. Right. And so I feel like, and that bleeds into their advantage. That's what makes them different because to your point about how, how deep the Western conference is, and to take that step all the way far, take it to the highest level. What made the Lakers different when they won the title in 2020? When Anthony, when they could score a bucket, when Anthony Davis was like, I'm going to get a bucket. Yep. And right? he went and took it. Yeah. And he just went and took it. That's what made them different. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what happened last year, everybody bangs on Russ, Russ, blah, blah, blah. The biggest thing is Anthony Davis wasn't there. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so with that being said, um, you're not going to be in Cleveland show this because people forget this when Cleveland and Golden State had their rivalry, the team that attempted the most threes in the season in NBA history, it's not the Golden State Warriors. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Right. I, I referenced that, Sava, because you're not beating Golden State at Golden State's game. <laughs> that right? is true. That you're is not, true. You're not beating them doing what they do. And, you know, one of the things that that when they played Memphis in the Western Conference Finals, one of the things that made this a somewhat of a difficult matchup for Golden State was the fact that Memphis could go big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? They yeah. can play Steven Adams. They can play Jaron Jackson when they would go big. Yeah. So I'm bringing that full circle and saying that if you're Phoenix, as great as Devin Booker is, first draft pick in Phoenix, Devin Booker, right? For me. Mm-hmm. So um, I know his dad, Melvin. So, and I know I've known, I knew Devin when he was being recruited mm-hmm. um, in my days at Nike. So Devin is near and dear to me. As much as I love Chris Paul being a point guard, what makes them different is those two guys. And then you can go to DeAndre Ayton. And when you don't go to him, 
Now you're trying to win games the way Golden State wins games, and you ain't beating them doing that. Nope, <laughs> you don't. You don't do it. You, you're right, right. You're right. Right. I'm glad you brought up the Lakers too, because the 22, 2020 Lakers, they made a lot of success using Dwight Howard, who was exactly like one leg out of the league. They Great dragged point. him back, gave him this contract where he's getting paid day by day, almost on the hourly salary, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? He was on and a prove deal, no question. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and they they went to him and they used him properly, and that's that's one of the reasons. That's one thing that made a difference for him that year. And, and JaVale McGee as well, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know, and that's what made them different. And they went to that, and they instead of shying away from that, they went to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while everybody else is, you know, for lack of a better term, while everybody else is zigging, you're able to zag because that's the only way you're going to win it. You're, mm-hmm. you're not beating, especially now Clay is somewhat healthy. Now, I realize he's not the same, but he's somewhat healthy now. Then you add Jordan Poole to that. And now, of course, Steph and Andrew Wiggins is playing with confidence. Jonathan Kaminga, you're not beating Golden State doing Golden State things. Mm-hmm. Right. And. To further underscore my point about having that versatility, man, if James Wiseman is healthy, oh, oh my gosh. Oh. oh, man. They can just cancel the season. Right? This is going to get ugly, right? Like, yeah. if, if he is healthy, man. The league has no – because now there's it's hard to beat them. And it, it, it's going to have to be the team that's super, super heavy defensively on all five positions, they can no just question. overwhelm them defense. And I just don't see that team out there. Yeah. I, I, maybe there's a case for the Clippers, but it, it does come down to what John Wall is. Right. I, I do have right. high hopes for him, but at the I same time, you got to be realistic, you know? Right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And and so, you know, so I just look at that with Phoenix. And and like I said, you know, that's, that's you know, and Golden State, as great as the franchise as they are, and knowing what they had coming back this year, there's a reason why they took J- J- James Wiseman second, because that gives them something that, in addition to everything that they have going on the per- on the perimeter, mm-hmm. as connected as they are defensively from a help situation, now you got to do back there that if we make a mistake, oh, he's just erasing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and then we can throw the ball to him. Like, and, and, you know, I mean, we saw when they play Memphis or when they play Boston, we saw what they would do when Kevon Looney would have big games. You oh, couldn't yeah. beat him. Couldn't, couldn't beat him. Because yeah. what happens is you have one of the greatest offenses in the league. And when they fail, which doesn't happen often. Right. But right. when it does happen, just because they have that big guy who's feeling it, who can grab their offensive rebound. You give him a second chance. That's it, brother. That's the last thing you want to give Golden State. That's, no, because to your point, when the, when they're getting that second chance, they're kicking it out for threes, mm-hmm. right? Like that second chance isn't necessarily let's get it and go up for a layup or a dunk. No, they're kicking it out for threes and just sucking all the energy out of the opposition. So I say that to bring it full circle. I think if Phoenix really wants to get back to that championship level, uh, whether they like it or not, and they made a commitment, but on the floor, they gotta, they gotta do something with Aiden. They gotta involve him. Amazing points, amazing. Because they made a financial commitment, but now it's all about the commitment in the court and the right. trust from the teammates. Right, and he's got to make a commitment too. He's got to, you know, work it. He's got to continue to work and be mm-hmm. engaged and be there. He has to be a professional. Keep being a professional. 
But if they really want to make it to that highest level, you made a point as well, especially with Chris Paul aging, they're going to have to start featuring DeAndre Ayton. More pressure, 100%. And I yeah. believe in him. I, I think he can do it. I think he's well capable. And, you know, as critical as I was earlier about Phoenix, I, I still have high hopes. I mean, on paper, if everything works out, if they make the proper adjustments, they, they still look in center. No right. doubt about it. Right, right. So real quick before I let you go, let's play a quick game of start bench cut. And okay. we're going to do the Phoenix Suns point guard edition. <laughs> I got for you Jason Kidd, Steve oh, Nash, and Chris Paul. Oh, Fire man. away, man. Oh, man. This is this is being a 6-1 point guard, right? <laughs> this is going to be really, really bad because the the guys that are my height are will be fighting it out for uh, bench and cut, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm starting Jason Kidd. Okay. I'm starting Jason Kidd because, okay. again, you know, when you have that type of court vision and and – but you're 6'5", 220, and you defend the way that he defends. I mean, he literally, and granted the East wasn't as stacked as the West, mm-hmm. but when he went to now Brooklyn, but used to be New Jersey, he New literally Jersey. put them on his back and took them to the finals. Right. Right. And I say that because, and that's no disrespect to the Kenyon Martins and the Richard Jeffersons, good players. Mm-hmm. But Jason Kidd changed that team and took them. But going back to my original point, Jason Kidd is able to have that impact because he's 6'5", 220. Mm-hmm. Coming full circle. Right? right. Yeah. Not 6'1", 175, 180. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is going to sound bad. Chris Paul will be on the bench. Okay. And the reason why I take Chris Paul on the bench is because of what I get on the defensive side of the ball with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Right. So I'm going to get the playmaking that Nash brings. I'm going to get all of that. I'm not going to get the shooting, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get the playmaking, but I'm going to get the defensive end. And that was always a liability, a liability in Phoenix when, when Steve Nash was playing, what mm-hmm. team teams would look to take advantage of him defensively. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'm going to get from Chris Paul as well. And I love Steve Nash. He's a basketball savant, but I need a culture maker too. Mm. Chris Paul is a culture maker, right? Okay. And, and, you know, if you're not giving your maximum effort, he's going to let you know about it. So it's right. always funny to me, Sava, when people are like, man, Chris Paul can grate on people. Yeah, he can grate on people that don't work hard. As he should. Exactly. Just like right? Kobe was doing it too. There you go, brother. All the greats. There yeah. you go. Like, if you're a guy that doesn't work hard or you don't believe in holding yourself accountable, sure, you're not going to like playing with Chris Paul. <laughs> right? Like, so for yeah. those dudes, yeah. So when everybody says that, I always say, well, who are the guys that, because all the guys that work hard and forget being great players, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the guys that work hard. Mm-hmm. But all the guys that work hard, they won't have a problem with them. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, and then, you know, I have to cut. And and I hate saying this because I love Steve Nash, but I have to cut Steve Nash. I made it tough for you. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? How about you? Um, I'd probably have to agree, honestly. It makes sense, especially with Chris Paul. You said maybe you don't get Nash's shooting. I would, to an extent, disagree. You know, Steve Nash does have better shooting on paper. 
but then it was a different volume of shooting. So that transition to today's league and the way we play, who knows, maybe Chris Paul is a better shooter than Steve Nash. That's a great point. So, but uh, as far as the order goes, yeah. And, and it, it's hard. I mean, uh, you it's have to hard, cut somebody <laughs> and it just happens to be a Hall of Famer. But right, hey, right. that's why this one was fun. All right. One more little question. Uh, we'll start to keep track of this one with all of my guests. And you're going to have to be the first one. Okay. Who is the GOAT? Man, man. <laughs> I always feel like I get myself in trouble when I say this because there's always going to be conversation about somebody's going to be hurt but yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> somebody's going to be hurt but when you start talking about and I feel like this is also relative to your error but for me when you start talking about the greatest player of all time to me it's got to be that dude outside the United Center man okay you know <laughs> and and because his his what you know what he was able to do um and again that's why this is sometimes so unfair because i will say this in 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 fairness to the people that say lebron's the goat right mm-hmm. let's just say that mm-hmm. um I would have to say that Michael Michael Jordan didn't play in an era where guys would say, let's all, let's have three or four guys in because they didn't have this awareness. They didn't think mm-hmm. of it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's three or four of us go and, and join a team so we can beat this guy. Mm-hmm. Guys just weren't wired like that. They were just, let's go get him. Like you said earlier, free agency practically didn't exist. Mm-hmm. right so so guys were like okay we know that that guy is in chicago let's try and go get him let's try right. and beat him and mm-hmm. so guys didn't think about it the way that they think about it now um so lebron and and to a certain extent he's the reason why it's happened um when he made his move especially other guys started looking saying well wait a minute you know mm-hmm. like if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And so he, you know, when you start looking at what happened in Golden State, especially when Kevin Durant got there, LeBron, to a certain extent, I mean, this with all due respect, created his own problem. We can look right? at it this way. Sure. Right. He created his own problem, you know, to a certain extent, because once he made his move, then KD's looking like, wait a minute, you know, mm-hmm. like it made it a little bit more, you know, palatable for somebody to say, okay, I can kind of take, and K- KD got cream, but can you imagine the magnitude of how much he would have gotten cream if LeBron didn't go to Miami? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Even with LeBron himself, he he, he got heat for it at first. Exactly. Well, he went to the heat. Sorry for that, but hey. There you go. I like <laughs> you it. Know. Boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, he got heat for that. But at the end of the day, after a second or third season, once he started winning, everybody was like, well, I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. That's I guess it. it's fine. And same and same happened to Kevin Durant, too. We, yeah. At first, it was like, well, that's a weak move. And then a little bit later, I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, yeah, you're right about this one. And there, hey, there's no wrong opinions on the GOAT debate. It's, it's very personal. There's 
there's no criteria for it. There's always a personal story, personal touch to it. I love your explanation for it, man. So, man, thank you for joining me. It's always you, a great brother. conversation with you. No, and man. I, just before I let you go, once again, tell everybody where they can find you because they have to find you. They have to listen <laughs> to you, man, because we only been here for about an hour. Me and you, we could probably go for 10 easily. And, oh, and man, <laughs> easily. And, and, you know, and I got to return the favor because I'm about to start again and I got to have you on. So anybody that wants to follow me, they can follow me on all things social at Sports, And it's not creative in the spelling. It's exactly what it is. Sports. I'm not that creative. I'm not like you, brother, where I can have a nice creative name. I'm boring, milk toast, can't think of anything. And here I am, man. <laughs> if, if, if the name is boring, but the knowledge is there, I'll take knowledge over the name any day, man. And I you, appreciate you, it, brother. At least for now, you definitely have me be in this category. So, <laughs> no, man, no, 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 no. You know, it, it's it's really about two guys that just love this game, man. That's mm. you know, it, it's it's two guys that love this game, and and you know, you say some things that that make me think, and I'm like, wow, because even that point that you made about Chris Paul. You're like, well, that's all relative. And I say, yeah, that's true. I, you know, so it's really about two guys that love this game and, and uh, try and bring some good perspective to it. So I appreciate you, brother. And we got to do this again. I got to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll be honored. So thank you for coming once again. Guys, thank you for listening to this one or watching it on YouTube. Let me know down in the comments who, who do you think is the GOAT or, yeah. you know, hey, just let me know whatever in the comments. Thank you for watching or listening to this one. I'll see or hear you next time. And remember, you can't get any closer to basketball than courtside. What's up?